Welcome to Behavioral Health in the New Normal, a podcast developed by Prestige Community Resources, aimed at bringing healing back to our community through knowledge, expert advice, and positive messaging. The show is a joint venture between the Department of Behavioral Health and Prestige Community Resources, funded by SAMHSA in response to the challenges currently impacting our communities. Hosted by Paul Wells Sr., who uses over 30 years of extensive clinical social work experience to conduct insightful interviews with experts and professionals on a wide range of topics that impact the Washington, D.C. community. From behavioral health crisis to education to financial hardship and anything in between, this show will provide information and insights that will surely make a difference in your life. Boy, oh boy, am I excited today. We have a native Washingtonian, uh, a small business owner who's going to share her story around how the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted her business. Uh, Her name is Lynette McNeil-Voss, fondly known as Miss Fifi. Miss Fifi, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yes, we're, we're so excited to have you. As you know, this is a a collaboration between Prestige Community Resources and the Department of Behavioral Health. And the intention of the the show is to kind of educate and to share experiences uh, with the community of how the COVID-19 pandemic is impacting us. Of course, Prestige is a mental health clinic. And so we might speak to just how uh, uh, emotionally this has impacted you. you know, I was reading your bio, and it's, it's, it would probably take me two episodes to get through the entire bio. <laughs> it, it's very impressive, and I'm really, I'm really respectful of your accomplishments and just your journey um, uh, to this point. But could you share with the audience today kind of, uh, well, let's start with your background. Where were you born? How did you grow up? What school did you go to? Can we start there? Sure, we can. Sure, we can. Um, well, I was born in D.C., um... Um, I think it was George Washington. I usually get the hospitals mixed up, Georgetown or George Washington University. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, of course, we lived in D.C. all my childhood. And Mm -hmm. um, so we went from, well, the house that I remember was with the little white picket fence around, um, right, on Maple View Place, right around the corner from the art center where the shop is. So right at the very top of the hill on Maple View. And so I spent most of my childhood there. And it was a, you know, a healthy childhood. My, my dad worked, my mom was a homemaker. So she, there were seven of us. So she oh, stayed my home goodness. with the children. Mm-hmm. So where where did you fall in, in an age group? I'm a middle child. So okay. I have some middle child issues. Oh yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I am was, as well. <laughs> <laughs> the fifth child. So um, um, now I used to have it down pat. I'm the fifth child, but the fourth girl. Oh. It's five girls and two boys. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. Five girls and two boys. And I went from Nichols Avenue mm-hmm. to Savoy Elementary to um, Douglas Junior High. Okay. And then um, instead of going to, I think we all went to in in that area. We went to Blue, but I took this test to go to be able to go to Chamberlain, which was oh. a um, yeah a vocational school. So I went to yeah. Chamberlain. Okay. And, and, and what, why Chamberlain? What, what was the interest there vocationally? Well, I think b- because of the vocations, mm-hmm. um, I was really, really good in math. Okay. And they, they offered accounting. 
So that's what I was interested in. Now, that's real interesting. I want to talk about this transition because your business is actually in the fashion industry. I it think is. you own a company called the Vintage and Charm. Yep fashion store boutique uh -huh. yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah so so i want to hear more how you went from good in math and accounting into fashion uh-huh okay it's an easy easy transition and story um well having five sisters um um like i said i was the fourth well four sisters i was the fourth um, girl and yes. so I had three older sisters so you know there was lots of hand-me-downs mm -hmm. so um and I was you know I'm the tallest girl in my family I'm five nine so I was always the tallest yeah. and we always joked about mom hooking up with the mailman um because I was so tall I'm so <laughs> <laughs> I was so much taller than all of my siblings yes. and, my and um but my dad um I never got to meet his brothers but he said his brothers were really tall and his uncles his not his brothers but his uncles were really tall okay. so okay. um um I got the hand-me-downs but they were already always high water I know you remember that term oh I sure do uh-huh mm -hmm. <laughs> so so of course I and I was so thin I was a bean pole so you know mom had to either sew them up or pin them up and okay. you know I got teased in school about mm -hmm. being having high water pants and all that so you know you you develop these self consciences when you um when you go to school and, and kids 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 can be very cruel of course oh, they sure can <laughs> and and so they tease me all the time so my thing was um, when I grow up. I'm going to be, you know, this fashion diva. I'm going to have my mm -hmm. own clothes. I'm not going to have to wear hand-me-downs anymore. And mm -hmm. of course, my mom being a homemaker, um, she frequented thrift stores to, you know, to buy our clothes. Yes, yeah, sure. So, and she would let me go with her. So I just loved it. And I was more drawn to the older clothing. Interesting. You know, um, because I used to like to watch the old movies, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the 40s and yeah, the movies. So, and and she would buy me a piece or two, you know, as she could afford it. And I would wear them to school and get laughed at, but I didn't care because I just felt so good in those old clothes, like I was in one of the movies. So mm -hmm. that kind of, you know, directed my attention into fashion mm -hmm. and wanting to have my own clothing and you know, and just be this fashion diva. diva. And the yeah. funny thing about it is I grew up and frequented some of those same thrift shops instead of going to, you know, the big box stores and buying brand new clothing. So I so appreciate you, you sharing with us just kind of how that divine inspiration, that's the kind of you, you were always there and always uh, had this natural tendency towards the vintage piece. Yes. How did you prepare yourself to... Uh, get in the industry and what was that professional development what did that look like okay so um going back to the math and being in accounting um mm -hmm. so you usually stick with what you know if you will and um because there's a lot of college students um another one of my experience I worked at Nordstrom's part-time for six years um, mm -hmm. while being a full-time accountant at Greater Southeast Community Hospital but I couldn't wait to get to the Nordstrom's job because I that loved was, it so much. That was your passion. Being around fashion and shopping for customers and spending yeah. their money, not mine. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I majored in, I went to UDC, so it was all DC. State That's DC, right. And I majored in um, business administration with a concentration in accounting because because the, they at the time they didn't have an accounting degree, okay. so it was a concentration in accounting. So the whole business part came from the degree. Okay. Um, my passion was the fashion part. 
I think my, I pride myself and with the guidance of a friend at the time, but I do pride myself in still being in my field. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a senior accountant at Greater Southeast Community Hospital, but being able to have a part-time job that allowed me to, you know, explore my passion. That's right. Yeah, because so so most of, yeah, I'm sorry. And and, ex, and explore it safely, meaning you, you have the stability of the full-time job. Mm -hmm, exactly. While you while you explore the passion. Exactly. You know, I believe as a therapist, we don't have to do either or we can do both. And it's all so you found a way to, to merge and delicately balance the two. Yes. The, the realities of I gotta make sure I'm financially stable, but I do want to pursue my passion. Yes. But that's a lot of hours. That's a lot of demands on your time, on your on your family. How did you how did you make that all fit? Well, I was a single woman. And of course, my family would complain all the time because we are very mm. close knit family. So, okay. of course, the trips to mom and dad's house definitely was reduced. But, you know, I got it in where I okay. could, and, okay. you know, but being a single woman in her 20s and wanting to explore her own, you yes. know, so that's how I was able. But I was definitely working all the time. But mm -hmm. being used to a large family. Um, I remember before I got the Nordstrom's job and having to go home to the apartment. And of course, I, you know, I, I would go to my parents' house from work sometimes too, just not to be lonely. But right, it was, uh, right. you know, I mean, who wants to go home to an empty apartment, especially Damn. after coming from a, you know, such a large, close knit family? So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that took up some of the void, you know, of going home. You know, just to my little studio, and you know, right. I, well, I it's it. a nice studio, but you know, <laughs> you know going right. home and you know, just kind of being alone. I was such a people person, so mm -hmm. so, that so, so. What did it take for you to uh, start your own business? I understand you branched out and you opened up your own store. Mm -hmm, I did. What did that take? And I'm, first of all, I know it's a confidence, faith, and and a lot of uh, strategic planning. Absolutely. Uh, but talk about that that experience opening the store for the first time? Okay, so it was a gradual process, you know, okay. starting little businesses here, all in the fashion industry. Mm -hmm. And um, it's kind of, you know, people kind of demand it on you because um, shopping at the thrift stores, that's when I became a professional accounting, I went back to those same thrift stores and because um, mm. I love the clothing so much. So I purchased, mm. of course, I had to wear suits. So I purchased the vintage suits and had them altered in a way to fit me perfectly. Okay. And, um, I would get stopped all the time in the street, at work, where'd you get your suit? And people didn't believe me when I told them the thrift store. They Damn. thought I was like, oh, well, you know, because back in the day, you know, when you had on something, you know, classy and sassy, you didn't really want to give your secret away where you got right. it from. So, mm -hmm. you know, people didn't believe me when I told them the thrift store. So um, I started a business then, you know, called Lenny's Fashion. My nickname is Lenny from Lynette. And, okay. um, um, you know, I guess thrift shops were taboo back in the day and nobody wanted to go into them because they smelled like old people or they were dead people clothes all kind of crazy stuff people would oh, say yeah. so I would go shopping for them and you know and you know have the clothes clean and steamed or whatever and, mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. pretty much how I started so okay so it started from that I, and then I went to uh, um um, um taking the clothing, having home parties where I would take the clothing to people's houses and sell it to it that way. Okay, that was wow. a lot of, a lot on me because, you know, things are so heavy, the racks and all yeah, that. Yeah, sure. So I went from that to a flea market, an indoor flea market. Mm -hmm. So that was the first experience of a shop, if you will. Yes. And, um, so an indoor flea market where I was able to lock my stuff up and keep it there. 
I was there for a year and I decided I, I wanted a shop. I could, I'm going to do this. I'm going to find a location. So the first location was um, in Maryland, um, right behind the, what is the roses now on Forest, off, right off of Forestville Road? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was there for three years. I sat down and met with the people. And of course, you're, you're afraid because you don't know they're going to, you know, give you this building for you know, your dream and your idea, but I had a really solid business plan. Okay. Okay. And, um, and even before I did that, I actually did. So while I was doing the Lenny fashions and, and maybe the, um, um, the flea market, <laughs> I also sold on eBay. eBay was probably the first, you know, the, actually the first venture. And I, I don't mind saying that I was a beast on eBay. I mean, no, it's okay. No, that's <laughs> represent. Acknowledge it. That's okay. I'm comfortable with that. I was literally making my mortgage on eBay and it came mm. at a great time because I um I was a con well, a contractor and I lost the contract. Okay. Um, well, the contract ended, so I was unemployed at the time. So and I was doing eBay part-time. So that allowed me to um, you know, still feed my family. That's right. Time. So um, so it was a gradual process, but I was determined to get that first building. And I did. I just had an ironclad business plan and um, nobody showed me how to do it. I just utilized the internet and figured it out. There you go. And, um, they were impressed with my business plan. So well, I, I think a key word was determined, but you also had, had a strategic plan. Yep. You obviously had some family support, but you were consistent. I hear the progression. Yeah. It, it, you know, it went from phase one to phase two, phase yep. three, and there was careful, deliberate planning. Yes. This just wasn't happen chance. You know, some people have a passion, a vision, and they think that the dream would just um, come yeah, to fruition, uh -huh. right, without some effort. But it, you worked, and you worked hard on this. I did. did you ever imagine opening the shop that you would, uh, well, let me ask you, did you have employees? Did you have people working for you? I did. Um, in uh -huh. Maryland, um, um, I did, and I figured... I've always wanted to reach out to young women, especially when I became, um, I, I mean, you never get married, you know, to get divorced, but right, when, sure. when I happened to have gotten to di gotten divorced, um, mm -hmm. you know, being a, that single mom, you know, I, I, I think I found this fondness of single women okay. I would be, while driving to work, standing at the bus stop with a stroller and yeah. a baby on the hip and one in the stroller. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, it's like, would well, these young ladies do this? And this is my first time experiencing this. So I, you know, I just developed this respect, this deeper respect for single moms. So I wanted yeah. to reach out to them. So that's who I was employing, you know, um, single so mothers I, in a Maryland shop. So I appreciate the sensitivity and, and, and the, uh, just the, you were prompted to uh, help young women, but also comes with that some responsibility. You know, they become a part of your family and you, as yeah. a business owner, feel responsible for their stability. Yes. And so there's added pressure on you to make sure your business is viable because mm -hmm. now it impacts not just you, but those loved ones and those coworkers, uh, employees yeah. that work with you. Did you feel some increased pressure when you started hiring staff to, to make sure this was working? Yes. Yes, I did. And, you know, you get a lot of advice from your family and they recommend you people. So it was a lot of um, teenage help, if you will. You know, they yeah, yeah. In the last year of um, um, high school and needed to pay their 
you know, all their senior dues and all that. So yeah, I had a, my flow of teenage help as well. And you are under a lot of pressure because you want to help people out, but you really do need experience in sales in order to make sales. Right. So, and, and so that was a challenge to train, you know, the younger people and keep them focused. And, oh, yeah. You know. So you're grooming, you're mentoring, but there's also some performance expectations you have to impose on them at the same time. So, again, another delicate balance. Yeah. So the business is going fairly well. You're, you're happy, you're growing, and then the pandemic hits. Yes. And yeah. what impact did that have? Okay, so um, um, like I said, I was at the um, my Maryland store for three years, and then I moved to the location I'm at now in Southeast, because I never really wanted to be in Maryland. Um, mm. DC um, commercial property was just so expensive, but you know, I happened on the location I'm in now in the art mm. center, and so I've been there for seven years now, and um, so it just kind of hit us like a brick. I mean, we of course we all heard the news mm -hmm. and um, about this pandemic, but I guess I guess nobody ever expected the country, you know, to shut down. I sure so did. Right. It was a huge blow to everyone. I remember it was around my mom's birthday, which was um, my mom's birthday was March the sixteenth, and mm. um, the art center shut down on the fourteenth. Oh, it did. Okay. So. Um, and it yeah. shut down as a result of an order by the city, the mayor yeah. shut Right, okay, okay. As an order by the city. So now me um, being always thinking quickly on my feet, of course, you know, I, I, I resulted to online sales, you know, okay. and but, you know, your your mental is defective, you know. I mean, uh, in what way? Tell me about that. Anxiety, well, depression. I, anxiety. See, I never want to say that D word because, you know, I mean, I, of course, I believe it exists. But, okay. but, you know, I mean, I guess pulling from the strength of my dad, who's in heaven now, um, just, you know, just trying to stay focused and positive, you know, being, thanking God, you know, for my family, because my children are still home. They're, they're in their early 20s, you know, daughter just graduated from college and my son is working and, you know, I got two grandbabies. So just, you know, thanking God for them surrounding me because, you know, from what I was experiencing mentally, uh, you know, I, I thought, I mean, I often had thoughts, my, wow, if my kids wasn't, you know, here home with me, I mean, I wonder how my mental stability would be because I definitely suffered anxiety. And in the beginning, you, you're, you know, although, you know, I'm a Christian and you're taught not to fear, yes. you know, certain things, but of course you're afraid. Nothing like this has ever happened before so we don't know if the end of the world is coming you know we don't know what's and, going and on and that was the so. challenge with it there were so many unknowns and you couldn't predict any outcomes you didn't know any lengths of time you couldn't even measure this and, and how prolonged it would be and and yeah. how expansive it was going to be so i think mm -hmm. it's 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 fair to say that anxiety is real uh and, yeah. and it, it does sometimes interfere with your ability to even plan and, and to think through and problem solve because that energy can distract you and become overwhelming. So when I think of anxiety, I think about sleep disturbance, some uh, difficulty concentrating, uh, some worry, um, maybe, and it, it could progress into, you know, I'm not eating right, I'm not sleeping right. It, it really can um, overwhelm you. And I appreciate you being honest about that because we, us in the African-American community, often don't talk about that aspect of life yes. you know yes. we learn to be tough and to move forward and to go on in spite of and 
And I definitely appreciate you saying that I, I've empowered myself and out of the, the vision and support of my family and my dad and the memory of my dad. But the fact of the matter is your business is not thriving and almost on the verge of not surviving. Mm-hmm. What, what's next for me? And, and you don't have any options when you're in a pandemic. It's not like you can switch plans or throw another business plan on the table because nothing's viable right now. It's hard to get anything going. Yes. Um, so you had, did you have to um, uh, let staff go? Did you have some? I did. I did. I mean, well, I mean, when we shut down, everything was shut down. So um, the um, two young ladies I had at the time that were working, I mean, they were shut down as well. They. Um, what was that discussion home. like? How did that go? Um, well, I happened not to be at the shop when one young lady was there. And mm-hmm. um, she actually called me and said, you know, they're shutting us down. You know, so I went straight to my email and I read the email because I knew they would send one. And, yeah. you know, of course, it was due to the state's orders that, you know, due to the pandemic, we were shut down. So, I mean, of course, I didn't expect it to last long. I mean, nobody did. So, you know, I just pretty much told, OK, go home, you know, text me when you get there, be safe and I'll be in touch, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and um um, the art center reached out to all the businesses about, you know, not knowing when this would end and we would be following the orders of the city and Mayor Bauer. So, so just, um, you know, stay tuned and keep, yeah. you know, your eye out for emails. So that was pretty much it. And yeah, everybody knew that there was no money coming in, so there could be no paychecks being made. And of course, um, whatever pay that, um, I owe the, you know, the two young ladies when, when um, we got shut down, they were they were given, of course. But yeah, you honored that, I'm sure. Yeah. So, so what? Now, I did hear that you know, DT government was offering small business loans and various forms of assistance to small businesses. Were you able to apply and secure any uh, assistance from DC? I did, and oh, um, I did apply. Well, I applied for ten grand and got one. So, I mean, I was happy with that. That's right. <laughs> I was happy with what I was given. And I figured because, you know, maybe they felt that I was a very small business with only pretty much one and a half um, right. employees at the time. So I guess what they that's what they felt I needed. And, you know, um, and that's what I got. I was happy for it. So, and, okay. and so that was that. Yeah. So I, I what, what, is the, what is the state of your business right now? Uh, are you operational? Are you open for business? We are. They opened back up, the center back up, um, July the 7th. Okay. So we were able to go back in. They gave us options to either open up part-time or full-time. Um, you know, they did give us, you know, an adjusted rate of rent, you know, okay. which okay. I'm quite impressed with, yes. And um, so, um, and, you know, I got on social media, pretty much begging the customers to come back. Hey, remember us, you know, mm-hmm, please come mm-hmm. back We're open for business now. Of course, people still afraid to come out, you know, certainly, but, certainly. you know, I'm trying to encourage folks that, you know, but, you know, you feel selling a product, depending on what the product is, of course, you kind of feel, and because I was suffering anxiety and, you know, and such sadness, you know, for the world and for my customers and for the people who were trying to feed their families, I couldn't find it in myself to promote my business mm-hmm. because what I provide is, yeah, clothing are necessary. I mean, I, I, I provide a specific type of, you know, your vintage 
finds and, you know, fun finds. And I just couldn't bring myself to promote my business on Instagram. To me, it was like taking money from families who were trying to feed their families. And so I, I couldn't do it, you know? So, so I spent that entire time um, from March to July just wishing people well, you know, my customers, well, stay safe, you know, and, you know, wear your mask, you know, just giving affirmations to customers. And because, you know, I mean, now when I when when I posted online, it was shopping um, websites such as Trade C and Poshmark. Okay. And those are literally websites people actually go to purchase stuff. I so I figured, hey, if they're going to go there to purchase, then, you know, then, you know, they, they may purchase my stuff but to yeah. go on Instagram and your your um, Facebook page and to you know promote promote it's kind of like a um a celebrity purchasing a million dollar necklace and bragging right. about Instagram while people are trying to you know feed their families yeah. and you see the lines yeah. on the news every day and you know that type of thing yeah. well Not obviously I mean your, your sensitivity to the struggle and everyone is in a in a struggle you yes. were very sensitive to that and respectful of it. Mm -hmm, um, exactly. and, and so I understand that. But again, it, that conflicts with what a business, uh, you know, a business has a marketing design and you promote yeah. yourself. So there is some natural conflicts in maintaining a viable business, but yet being sensitive to the needs of your clientele and your customers. Yes, um, yes. But it's very respectful. In fact, when I was reading your bio, uh, you do a lot for the community. And mm -hmm. so you get a lot of love from the community and people have been reaching out to you and very supportive of your struggle. Uh, yes. But that's really the result of you've always been impactful in your community. You've always yes. given back to people. Yes. And, and tell me a little bit about those experiences and, and how you found a way to give back. What are some of the things you do or, or have done? Well, it definitely came from my parents, my mm -hmm. mom, and we didn't have a lot. I mean, my right. dad, you know, he worked for the government. He had one, it was one salary coming in and he had to feed nine people, including Ooh. my parents. So, but my mom was always so neighborly bringing in, you know, um, kids from the neighborhood and feeding them and cleaning them up and giving them some of our old clothing. So yes. we saw that all our lives. So that it, it's, it's in me. Okay. So um, there's a, um, a, a women's shelter next to the art center that um, um, I met the, the um, owner of yes. the and I told her I wanted to help. So um, I provide clothing for the young ladies. Well, they're not all young. I mean, and they're not all in, in homeless situations. Some of them were in abusive situations. Some of That's them right. have master's degrees and, you know, just have some issues, you know, dealing at the time. So, you know, but um, when I was able to provide them clothing for their interviews, when it was time for them to, you know, to go find a job and go on an interview, um, um, I also taught, taught um, 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 life skill courses to the young lady. So they had me in there every, um, well, there were different um, of the classes. So um, different times of the year, I taught them high school classes. And and I would have homeless people come off the street. Um, this one lady came into my shop and told me her, she and her son didn't have a coat and it was in the wintertime. Yeah. So I gave her a coat. I mean, what do you do in that situation? Do you say, oh, well, so, you know, I gave her a coat for her and her son. So, well, uh, I, I know what I would, I know what Miss Fifi does, uh, <laughs> but that's, what's remarkable about 
you. And that is not all business owners have that level of sensitivity and commitment to the community. Uh, and, And that is real. And so that's why I'm sure the community loves you, uh, adores you, and also has supported you through your struggle. What yes. kind of feedback and support have you gotten from the community? Well, um, you know, I'm doing a lot of reading while I was um, quarantining. Um, mm-hmm. I was able to t- basically trying to find ways to get your customers back, to bring mm-hmm. back that you know, that customer base and, you know, those sales. So, and there were several ways, of course, but one way was just don't be afraid to ask for a donation. So um, I did go on social media, let everybody know I was back. And, uh, you know, I told folks that I told my customers and, you know, my um, audience that, hey, if you all gave $5, if you all cash at me $5, I'd be able to pay my rent for the rest of the year. So I started getting, you know, cash apps. And of course, it, people gave more than $5, you know, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I was very, I mean, of course, that that makes you feel good that you've helped out people because, you know, people will come in, you know, um, and want a, uh, um, a discount on something. And, you know, I offer layaway. I'm one, one of the only shops in the center that does that. So, you know, I, I provided layaway for folks, but, they, you know, they still want discounts and I give them discounts. So yeah, you know, yeah. I was on. I was on my social media reminding them, hey, this is Miss Fifi, the one who gives you that discount, that good mm-hmm. discount when you want that item. So, you know, remember me. So that's right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, you know, when when they donated, I felt really good. About it. And I had some businesses that donated too. So that feels really good when you're asking your your followers, you right. know, for help and they're reaching out and helping you. So and and we, we don't want to um, underestimate it. The- the importance and the value and the significance of that because they're donating to you with the pandemic as the pan Absolutely. as the backdrop. So Absolutely. their future and is unknown as well. And, and they're Absolutely. in their own struggle. Yeah. Right? And so how much love and expression of love is that when they uh pull from themselves to say, mm-hmm. you know, Ms. Fifi, we care about you and your business. We value mm-hmm. your business. Here, let me let me share this with you to help support you. Yeah. That must have really um, had a positive impact on you. I know the best paycheck for me is when just a client says to me, I appreciate you uh, and acknowledges that, um, you know, that I, I've had a positive impact on their on their life. Um, it really motivates me to continue um, supporting the community. So the business is still open. Business is still open. And um, what I did is, um, you know, I decided to develop because, you know, when you open back up, you can't really afford to bring anybody on because whether you're a large business or small business, you got to pay that $15 an hour to your staff for DC. So so I developed this business exchange program. Um, I said, well, you know what? Small businesses, you know, they know my plight, they know my struggle. And um, so what the program entails is, small businesses run your shop. So you, you carry their merchandise and you ask them to commit a day, you know, mm-hmm. one day, you know, consistent day. So, um, I came up with a program. So I have a business every day that runs the shop and oh, wow. so it's perfect. It works perfectly. Cause basically, um, you know, I, I don't pay them a salary. The salary is that their payment for me is selling their merchandise. So, and, um, right. And their payment to me is working the day. So it's an even exchange. Yeah, so no, it makes that sense. Yeah, that worked oh. out. So the money that coming in, you know, we get to keep, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, 
So that's what I developed. Can you remind our audience the name of your store and the location again, please? It is Vintage and Charm Classic Clothing. It's located inside the Anacostia Art Center, um, 1231 Good Hope Road, Southeast. And what are, what, what are your operating hours at this time? Um, okay, they have COVID hours now um, due to the pandemic. So they open at 10. The whole center opens at 10. Um, right. There's um, the hive downstairs. So there's other businesses with office spaces downstairs. So they Stay. open at 10 o'clock. Um, the shops pretty much open at noon, but mine open at 11 because we try to catch that everlasting life traffic, you know, the breakfast, yeah, traffic. So we open at 11 to 5, but the center opens from 10 to 5. How often are you on site in, in case people just want to come in, not only shop, but also talk with you and meet you? Yes. Um, well, um, I'm now on site on Sundays. So they could come okay. in and yeah, because a lot of my customers, you know, want me there. So I make appointments, you know, for the customers who will just shop with me and, and yeah, I'll be there. You no, know, I was just thinking too, how many male customers do you have? You have quite some men who come in interested in, in the fashion? Now, I, I do. And I used to have a male vendor who did the female version of what I do. So he provided mm. authentic clothing for men, but he has his own space now. Okay. And um, so I do have um, male clothing. They sell really quickly because, of course, I don't get as much in as right. um, um, women. But I do have all type of ties and bow ties and, and shoes and suits and vintage pieces for men as well. So, and like I said, I do um, personal shop. So anybody could, you know, give me, a, give me a call and say, hey, you remember the leather jacket back in the day? I'm looking for one of those. So, you know, so I definitely can get you pretty much whatever you request. I'm telling you, you're a survivor and, and you've been um, very creative in uh, modifying your business plan and your expectations with this pandemic. Have you had a COVID-19 test, by the way? Have you been tested? I've been tested several times. Um, um, one of my grandbabies um, during Halloween came in contact. Her grandmother, she actually owns a daycare, which is, so she gets tested, I think, every week or every two weeks. And oh, wow. her test came up positive. So we got tested November the 10th, okay. and um, everybody was negative. And unfortunately... Yes. Um, um, I got tested again December 10th and it came up positive. Okay. So <clears throat> I was the only, the reason why I got tested because I was suffering some um what were some of the symptoms that you but I thought it was my allergies because I suffer really badly with allergies and um but unfortunately it came up positive. So I had to go to an oh. extent day to protect, you know, my family. I, I was able to fight it. And I tell you this. Okay. Once we you know, um, all got shut down and everything. My daughter and I, we started researching as far as what we can do to build our immune systems. And, you know, so we were ordering all kinds of elderberry and all kinds of, you know, um, natural herbs to build the immune system. And um, so the first time we got tested in November, they offered us a flu shot while we were getting tested. So of course we took it. Okay. But I truly believe it was bad. Now, let, let me tell you, it was bad. I battled it. I battled it without having to go to the hospital, and I thank God for that. But mm -hmm. I truly believe the reason why I made it through without the hospital stay was yeah. due to those all those herbs we took to build our immune system right. and that flu shot. I truly believe that. that combination helped me make it through COVID. How long were you? Did you feel pretty acutely ill? Was it a couple of days or a couple of weeks? 
it was a week and I, I never had, well, I guess I had a temperature in the beginning, but um, you could feel the fluid in your lungs. And I was really afraid to go to sleep. Um, the best advice I got from someone, a friend of mine was don't lay on your back. Right, right, okay. Like, yeah, lay on your stomach or just sit up and sleep sitting up. And that was the best advice I could have received because, you know, you had to cough that stuff up to keep it from, you know, just, just controlling your lungs. And, you know, so at nighttime it got worse. And of course I was quite afraid at night, but I made sure that if I did fall off to sleep, I was sitting up while I did it. Drank a lot of hot you yeah. know, liquids. You know, they tell you that that brought it up really good. So what yeah. was the the isolation like, so you're going through this horrible, uh, symptomatic illness and, and not your family can't really be around you. I mean, speak to the isolation uh, that you experienced. So you're going through this by yourself in your room, mm -hmm. isolated. What was that like? It, it's, it's, it's very scary. Um, oh, you know, I can so imagine. there with you. I mean, usually when you get a cold, you have somebody bringing you right. and soup and, but there's nobody there. So, you know, my fear was, you know, I'm here by myself in this room and, you know, what if I die? You know, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. my daughter was frantic one day because I wasn't answering her phone calls. She was even, she said, mom, I was about to get in my car and come to that location, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, mm -hmm. So it's very, I did have a lot of support from um, friends calling, checking on me, but okay. it, it's nothing like having somebody there to, you know, to take the temperature and, 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 you know, making sure you get in that soup. I mean, you're sick and you have to get up and do all this stuff yourself, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So it so, was, it was rough. So I guess when you, when you're at the height of your illness, um, there was re really no focus on your business. You weren't thinking about your business at that no, point. You were thinking I, about Living, yeah, living better, my family. I didn't infect my family members, and we've just always been so careful. I have an 85 year old mom, and um, in the beginning, she didn't understand why we weren't we we weren't coming and visiting. Yes. But um, I, I think as the months grew, she realized, and you know, mm. we made sure she always had on a mask and gloves. And sometimes she and my brother lives with. her. Her, who's disabled as well and okay, okay. so they would call me to come over and change the light bulb or you know I would send groceries to them or something of that nature and I was diagnosed the week that I took her to her doctor's appointments so I was with her twice but okay. I knew I wasn't I wasn't feeling well so I wasn't sure whether or not it was my allergies I was just hoping that it was yeah right, I, right. Sure I doubled up on the mask and I mm -hmm. wore gloves at all times so you know. do, you have, do you have any sense, and I know it's, you know, it's so hard to phrase where you potentially um, contracted the, the virus. Do you have any ideas where possibly you contracted it? The shop. At the shop, at, at the workplace. Yep. And the CDC was certain that that's where it came from. Because, you know, they call you and they you backtrack. And because I was so careful about what I do, because you just stay home. You stay home right. and you go to the shop. And, um, you know, I was pretty much the designated um, grocery shopper, but I definitely always wore my gloves and, you know, mask, took the gloves off before you get in the car, put your yeah. hand sanitizer on. So I was really careful going to the grocery store and, you, and you're not there, but more than, you know, maybe 15. That's right. So, That's right. so um, they definitely narrowed it down to the shop. And I actually remember the exact day it happened. 
because I had gotten in these new face masks and they mm-hmm. were treated. they were treated masks. So if any germ, you know, were to come to the mask, it would kill it. Yeah. But it couldn't fit my face. So this whole day, I think I was there on a a Friday, I was fumbling with this mask and Mm -hmm. didn't have any gloves, just fumbling with it, trying, my hands were in my face all day. And then I thought about it, I was like, Dawn, you have, you've had your hands in your face all day trying to get in your face. Then Monday, um, I think it was the following, the following week I was diagnosed. Yeah. You know, so that really, you know, for the business owners who have to go into their place of business, Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that they take you know, follow the protocols and be very yes. diligent of observing distance, wearing the mask, wiping things down, wearing, wearing gloves if you have to. Gloves are important. When, when you're in a, a retail space, it's important mm-hmm. to wear gloves. Yeah. I mean, um, in the beginning, you know, they were talking about not receiving money and trying to just do, you know, the, the touchless um, purchases and either Cash App or Apple Pay or whatever. Um, right. but people have cash, you know, and some right. don't have Cash Apps and I can't afford to turn away cash. So you take the cash. So I did bring in and, and that's, that's another reason I'm upset with myself because I brought in gloves for everybody to use, but mm-hmm. I, had, I didn't use them that day. And who's to say the gloves, you know, wouldn't have, you know, given me the, the, the virus as well. But anyway, but, you know, you try to protect yourself as much as you can. So you the gloves, mask, the hand sanitizer. You know, in the mental health industry, of course, we're, we're, our work requires that we are with people. We do therapy, we do individual therapy, we're doing assessments, and all of that clinical activity is face-to-face. So when the pandemic hit, of course, many of the mental health clinics had to go to a, a tele a medicine model where we now provide therapy through this platform, Zoom primarily. Yeah. Yes, yes, um, yes. And so now the question is how much um, uh, confidence do we clinicians have going back into the clinic? Mm-hmm. And when, when does that happen and how does that happen? And do we provide the service in the same way? I mean, can I really put 10 people in, the, in a group room and do group therapy now? What does that look like? But I will tell you this, that my colleagues across the board are very, very anxious about a full-time return mm. for clinic. We're all frontline workers, so we know our responsibility. We're going to do what we have to do. But the anxiety about the return yeah. is, is really daunting. How, how did you feel about going back into your, your workspace? Was that kind of a, were you reluctant to go back? Well, um, not really because, you know, I kind of faulted myself. So what I did was um, they have facility people at the art center. So, of course, I notified the art center immediately. Okay. And um, I, um, I, I had them go in and do a, a, a deep steam cleaning because they were doing right. that every hour in the center anyway. Right. Um, so I prepared the shop to go back. Okay. So, um, so I, I did my due diligence and I wanted to make sure that everything was safe for my customers. Nobody got this COVID as a result of me because I did what I was supposed to do. So, so yeah, I I felt, I mean, you, you feel, you're a little apprehensive at first, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I felt pretty comfortable after I did all. And you said another point that I want to highlight in closing, and that is, we business owners have responsibility to our customers to protect them the best Absolutely. we can. Absolutely. And so we have to follow protocols and we have to be very diligent because um, our customers deserve that. Ms. Fifi, how do people reach you directly? I know people, once we, we uh, release this, this show, people are going to want to talk with you and, and learn more about how you strategically navigated this 
pandemic, not just from a business perspective, but just personally. And, yes. you know, I really appreciate you being transparent and sharing your personal story. How can people reach out to you directly? Okay. Um, they can reach me. Um, I do give out my cell. It's on my bis- business card. So Okay. Come they, on. They can reach me on 202-415-2613. Okay. But then there's a shop number as well. So they can call the shop on 202-770-8303. Okay. Um, they can reach me via email. It's a <laughs> Gmail account. It's shopvintagecharmed at gmail.com. Or they can come on by the shop on a Sunday or give me That's a call right. and have me meet them there on a the Sunday and okay. I'll be doing bells on. <laughs> don't be surprised if I don't pull up one day and, and check on you. <laughs> All right. Um, this has really been a, a delightful and, and wonderful discussion. And I appreciate again for, for you being so honest about um, the, the challenges that have been imposed by the pandemic, both, both professionally and personally. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful that your health has been fully restored. Yes, thank you. Uh, thank you. I'm so grateful for that. And um, we want you to continue to be healthy and continue to be safe. Again, I encourage the audience to check check out the Vintage and Charm. Yes. I mean, they're, they're a part of our community and, and we want you to support them and support Miss Fifi. And so thank you. In closing, is there anything else you'd like to say to the audience on a positive note to the struggling business owners? And can you give us one word of encouragement I mean, or, 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 you know, a statement of encouragement to those who are still in the struggle trying to make their business last through this? Yes, just just keep the hope um, and the faith. Don't um, be ashamed to reach out. I mean, to reach out to your yeah. fellow business um, owners and to your customers. Ask for a donation and and don't be afraid to do that if you're not getting it unfortunately from the state ask for donations yeah that makes sense miss lynette voss miss fifi dc (laughs) native business owner fashion extraordinaire we appreciate your time we thank you for your time and, and for the information you gave us and for our audience if you want more information about who we are and what we do here at prestige please visit our website at prestigecommunityresources.org. Thank you so much for joining this episode with us today. It has been a pleasure. Until next time, stay safe, stay well. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.